Hello, Scotty. Hello, Mr. Fox. How are you this week? I'm dandy. How are you? I am more than dandy. I am dandy dandy. Wow. So this is this is a, a complete change of events. No. Because usually I'm the dandy happy one and you're the, the dowdy my life is a failure and I'm stuck in medieval muck. I just decided if I lied about being happy, I might be happy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you realize that you're now having to lie to more than twice the number of usual fractional listeners? Do you know why? Uh, we, 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 we discovered one, that one that we'd lost down the back of the couch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the, new, the new Apple tiles help us discover a new fractional listener who will be able to stalk them. I have been trying to find a reason to buy AirTags. We could use AirTags to trace our listeners. Exactly. A pack of, a pack of four should get us all the way there and have should a couple of spares. It should include future growth <laughs> prospects. Yes. There we are. Although it's a hundred bucks, and as we haven't yet recovered the eighty bucks from the phone call, I'm not sure. I'm not sure we could go that far with on our budget. Fuck, we really need a sponsor. <laughs> well, you know, I, have, have we ever talked about the the sponsorship idea about saying, okay, we're willing to never ever do this podcast again. <laughs> Just we, we're looking for a round number, <laughs> but it has to be larger than eighty dollars. Yeah. Every every week, someone could pay to have us not record. Mm. It's uh, we've shown you what they could be like. We spent a year a year off from that, so um, it's uh, you know we we've given people this uh, this hint of bliss. And, and, uh, and I might... uh, our lost our lost listener this week who who was down the back of the couch and has rediscovered us. He he has the total idea of what it can be like. So maybe he'd sponsor us to go away again and re lose him. Well, I, th- I think that, that if you were to map world events, I think during the year that we took off, there was no Brexit, there was no Trump, there was no COVID, so I don't know. What you're saying, John, is the world is a perfect place when we don't podcast. Pretty much, yeah. Well, there we are. I think with that, folks, thank you for listening. <laughs> and until we, next time. We will take our, our UN Humanitarian Award this afternoon. <laughs> well, Do you think that we're up for, we should be awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for our, uh, for our, um, our year off? I think so. Services services to humanity. Yeah. Well, Scotty, can I tell you about what I've been trying to do to be in service of humanity? John, I have thought of nothing else all week than waiting Gosh. to hear what you've done this week. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you know, I th- what I said last week is that we were going to uh, to have a bug bash this week to be able to see could we, you know, are the changes I've made to, to this dynamic type, do they work? And, you know, can they be tweaked and, and can we get it out? And so far, um, so good. And now I've been down with, with Venusia and discovering that um, it's it's pretty much impossible to do proper typography at, at high speed. And let me explain what I mean for that, because I was reminded again of kind of of, of what power existed in, in the, the text rendering of, of a desktop publishing tool, page composition tool, whether it was Quark or, or you know whatever the, the, the people are using now, the Adobe, I forgot what it's called even, um, the one that killed Quark. But anyway, you look at how they work. And to, to make pleasing flows of type, you need you need hyphenation and you need to be able to, to widow and orphan control those last single word or, or few character breaks that just make things look bad. Um, and it's something that you can do you know, when you're trying to, cal- when, you, when you have a lot of time to do the calculation. But if you're trying to do that, you know, in in a multi-line label and a scrolling list, forget it. And I think that that even even if you tried to do it with Apple's tools with their hyphenation uh, the hyphenation algorithm, I guess, and hyphenation dictionaries, 
Um, it just doesn't work. I was so sad because, you know, I was all happy that I had generated a bunch of screenshots for our localization team, you know, to do and say, hey, check, you know, please check me to make sure this is breaking correctly in all the different languages because the, the hyphenation that you can set, you can also pass a locale. And I'm, of course, passing the locale for our, our member and not the device locale. So it may often you know, uh, differ from what the system does, but the breaking is all wrong. So unless I've made it, unless the API is, is I'm not using the API correctly, um, it's it's just sad that they don't have the dictionaries available to, to make it work right. And, you know, even if they are working correctly, the, you you do definitely have this, this widow and orphan problem. So I'm sad. But I'm still happy that things, you know, the the the, the details, the, there's nothing like having a bug bash and having other people look at it. And, but... You know, not just random monkey testers like who are just trying to break it, but just basically your peers who are familiar with all the different edge cases and something. It's like, aha, let's see, can we stump them? And they they stumped me in a couple places, but in fewer than they imagined. And uh, so I've been busy, busy working on it. But and the other thing that I determined is that I realized is that. Uh, in the simulator, you can dynamically change the font size. You don't have to kind of home the application and go to the control panel settings like you would do if you were actually running it. So you can sit there with a keyboard and very quickly type it. So for fun and games, I made a video um, that that uh, simulates what it would look like if your app with dynamic type was doing a TikTok-style um, shuffle dance. And if you've never seen a shuffle dance, it's a phenomenon that's been going on for how, I don't know how many years, but basically you you have a, a piece of music that has a slow section where you show the moves, the, the four or five or however many dance moves that you're going to do within a bar of it. And they do it at, at kind of half speed and then they do it at the, the normal tempo speed. And it was kind of fun. Maybe I can put that in the show notes. So that's been my work this week. It's, I mean, obviously bug bashes are good and, you know, what, I think what you say about typography is hard. I agree with all of that. It's this whole concept, I think, of... Uh, I think it's really hard when you are the software developer, be that an indie or part of a bigger organization like yourself, uh, like you are, um, to... You know, there are certain types of bugs that are, you know, P1, mission critical, you know, the app doesn't load, the app crashes, bloody, bloody bad, whatever, that are obvious. But I think sometimes once you get past that, trying to work out what is important, you know, what is really important, what is not really important, becomes actually quite difficult because I, I suspect for most of us, and I think we've discussed this probably many times before, but my memory is so short, it's always a fresh and new conversation. Um, it is, you know, our view of our applications is often very different to our users' view. Um, and so, you know, I think, you know, the context of how someone uses like so basically you know when i watch netflix be it whatever it's probably the most common place for me to watch netflix is on my on my tv um and it's a smart tv an lg smart tv so i use the netflix apps on there um and i scroll through things and to be perfectly honest you know as long as when i search it finds things is when i press play it plays yeah i've not I don't. This is not to dismiss the work of you and your team in any way at all. I'm not really playing a lot of notice to things. Now, I understand a lot of the problems you're talking about turn up uh, when you're using other languages, and that's often because obviously the developers yourself will probably will have English as your first or maybe your second language. But you know, I, I imagine English is the core, and then it gets translated and 
looked in other ways. So maybe if you're working in a different language, the things are far, you know, this is a different experience because these bugs come up more often or, or, or whatever else. But, you know, if a title is slightly out or something else, it's not the sort of thing I would ever ever dream of reporting because it's just not important to me. And yet, obviously, for someone like you who for whom text and accessibility, and I guess especially with accessibility with that title, where the title being out uh, in some way, I don't mean necessarily out, it's slightly out of position, but something hyphenated wrong in it, you know, makes, probably affects the accessibility of that, of that page as well. It, it is more important. But I think sometimes working out how important these things really are, I'm not suggesting we don't fix them, because obviously there's developers who want our software to be as perfect as possible. But, you know, how many of the bugs that we think are important, most users just don't care? And equally, how many things do we think are minor that actually sometimes really upset quite a lot of users' lives, but we just don't don't understand it in there? So I think this whole concept of what we fix, where we don't fix, or more how we prioritize what we fix or don't fix is um, always a challenging question to me once you are you know, in depth in the guts of the app because I don't think it's ever possible to have a true user's perspective of the application ever again. I hear what you're saying. I actually do. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it also is, 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 a, is, it depends on where you're looking at something. So, you know, a so-called 10 foot UI by its very nature tends to have much larger type. It just has to. And as you say, by the time you're sitting on the couch, you really just don't, you just want to press play and have it work. I mean, there was, a, there was, you know, we, we productized a feature that's been much discussed in the press now, which is just basically play me something, you know, because it used to be before you had options of, of more than four or five channels or, or even kind of an incredible amount of 50 cable channels or even 500 cable channels, which was an absurd amount. Now with streaming services, you have, you know, thousands of titles to, to potentially choice any, to, to choose from any particular one time. And so, you know, you basically, you can't spend more than a few minutes before you get frustrated over what you're supposed to watch. And so, you know, based on... Oh, yeah, it's terrible. It's a matter of times myself and my wife sit down to watch TV and we have, you know, we have Netflix, we have Amazon Prime, we have Apple TV, uh, we have, um, you know, uh, our satellite TV system. And there can be some evenings where we've got an hour and by the time we're 35 minutes in and haven't chosen what to watch yet, we realize it's not worth watching anything. Now we might as well do something else. So, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah actually, it's a huge problem. And I think, and I think this is where actually, and, and, and I'm going to be blunt, I don't think any service does this well yet. Some do it better than others, but I don't think any does this well. Really, really learning how to put the content I am most likely to watch in the most upfront place for me to see is, I think, is is the killer feature that will keep me on a service longer than any other service. Um, because all the services have decent content. I mean, otherwise, I wouldn't subscribe in the first place. If there was no content, I wouldn't subscribe. Although there are maybe some services where you just forget to unsubscribe. But, but, but let's just assume now they all do. But this whole... Uh, and I say no one does this very well yet um, everyone tries it and everyone has a limited amount of success but really um, just really learning on how to how to really say you know because you and this is where it gets creepy because you have to watch me to do this and you have to follow my data and we're, we've spoken a long time about how you don't want to necessarily watch lots of data and whatever else but um, you know to really be able to put stuff in front of me saying you know 
if you're in this mood, you're going to enjoy this. If you're in this mood, you're going to enjoy this. And they all try it, but they all get it. Mm, I give it a C plus at best. Yeah, well, it is a super tricky problem to solve. And 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 oh, it's easy, John. It should be easily solvable. I know, but. <laughs> The, the, what I was trying to get at is that the 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 expectations for layout and typography for a a ten foot display are much more limited, as you said. Kind of at that point, if you are you spending enough time staring at the screen to notice any details like that, then then something's wrong, right? You should have been able to just like have the. I honestly think about about a ten foot device as a an output device. It's just not something that you should be scanning for user interface clues. It you should be sitting back and just let letting the content, you know, entertain you. But that's not the case on on either a smaller device um, where you're where the user interface does make a whole lot of difference. And in the in the case of typography, at at, at let's call it regular size, it, it it's not something you tend to think about other than than font size. It's about it. You know, or does it wrap or not wrap? Because you're you're typically only looking at, you know, in in the UI one line, two lines, three lines, something like that. You know, first there are, you know, you, you you make the exception for long scrolling text if you're reading a book or reading a long synopsis. But sweating some of the details about getting line breaks correct does make a huge difference when you're scaling up the font because if it doesn't break properly and it has to go to a new line, um, that's at at largest font sizes. Then you're then you're forcing the user to scroll more than they they need to, and it, it can really affect the layout and, and its in its legibility. I mean, the, these these typographical conventions exist for a reason, largely to because they either are pleasing to the eye, or if not if not pleasing, just not fatiguing to the eye. And when you have to kind of have that cognitive overload of 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 saying, oh well, uh, I think that the the Y that was dropped from the the prior line, oh yes, that's one word. It makes sense. It's not really good, you know. And and that's that's that that is where typography for for books and magazines and static pages differs from from what it is for for dynamic layouts and in, in applications. It's tricky. It's interesting though. But at at some point, people are just going to get fucking tired of listening to me talk about this. Some people won't. There there are my typography nerds. So represent, current up, track up, <laughs> ascend. <laughs> I think I think John. Everybody loves typography, apart from maybe most of us. Yeah, but, <laughs> apart yeah. from everybody else. <laughs> yes. Apart from those. It's no. It's it's. I think typography is one of those things that. As a developer, you have to have some interest in. You have to you have to have a basic understanding of if your if your app deals with text in any way, you owe it to yourself to understand the basics of typography. However, it is also a a, a swamp in which you can get massively lost. Yes. Um. And and you know never hit the bottom of the you know uh, 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 of the depths that it, it is going to have. And so often it's sometimes again it's this is. Bit, a little bit like going back to the finding what I want to watch thing. It's it's knowing it's knowing what I need to know about topography without suddenly getting lost in the depths um, or, or, of what's there. And maybe I don't know if anyone knows of some good developer resources that sort of give you that that broad overview of typography, which is it's more than the sort of like three hundred word introduction article, um, but it's not. No, it's not like the. 7,000 page textbook on it that just gives developers an understanding and then maybe puts it into the context of text kit and um, uh, in all the things of iOS as well or macOS or whatever platform you're working on um, 
yeah and in a digestible form because it's yeah i suspect i suspect not enough of us know enough about it so i think john you are doing the world a service by by keep insisting that we do well thank you scotty so now it's, we get to turn to you and allow you to perform go go ahead scotty service us yeah i don't give a fuck about type i just use pictures <laughs> i know <laughs> i can't read anyway so why do i bother about these lettery things you want me to watch your TV program? Make sure the picture's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Makes you make me want to watch it. <laughs> oh, no, it is. Uh, it is funny. Um, yeah, I've had a really bitty week. I can't say I've had any major uh, um, problems or issues. I've continued. Last week I was talking about trying to get back into a, a code base. I've not been back in for six months, whereas um, yeah, this week I've been uh, wrestling with unit tests in that code base, and it's... Uh, yeah, it's taken me longer. I mean, you know, I'm making progress every day. Um, when I'm working in there, it, things come back to me. and uh, It gets easier, just a little bit easier as a day-by-day thing. But again, I'm, I'm, I was sort of working on the basis. I think when we spoke last week, I was just like a few days in uh, to working with this code base again. And it was like, oh, I was thinking, you know, any day now, any day now, it's just going to click and everything, everything is going to come rushing back. And uh, suddenly I'm going to become this expert on this code base again. And now, sort of like um, ten days in, I'm realizing, yeah, no, this is this is a relearning exercise, and um, you know, I'm making steps to, as I suggested last week, to say, well, how do I help myself next time I have to do this, which is probably will happen because it's it's code, and we don't always spend time in it in there. So it's, um, and I would like to have thought that working with unit tests would be a really good way of understanding the application. Uh, and to be honest, in some places, uh, looking at the unit test really does remind you of what that class or, or, or struct or whatever it is happens to be testing um, was supposed to do because the tests are there. And But there are some cases where actually the unit tests just make it even more confusing <laughs> and, and, and less clear. And it, it's highlighting, again, that, uh, that you know, and, and, and tests... Uh, the tests in this app anyway tend to have less comments than the code. I said last week the code base was pretty well commented, but it's like it's like trying to read reference documentation. It's all fine as long as the big concepts are still there. Um, so, yeah, so I'm beginning to see the importance of actually, um, even though it might be obvious when you write it, that it's it's always worth even uh, on, on, not as necessarily every single test, because you don't, you know, you don't, you, you you know, there's always a debate, isn't there? You don't want a comment saying, this is a comment that I'm about to write a comment type of level of stuff. But, you know, just explaining why a test is there and what it's trying to test and why you're testing it in just a few lines uh, can be really useful when you're coming back to it. Because I, I have an issue now where I'm trying to decide if some of these tests are still relevant even. Um, and it, it's really hard because of coming back into it. So, yeah, so um, unit testing fully support it still do uh within reason i'm not one of these um tdd people although i understand i appreciate some of the concepts of tdd uh but yeah just uh not just testing but making sure you know what you're testing and why you're testing it and that is clear in there i'm beginning to see is quite important for future me so again another week of writing comments and i'm um, trying to work things out so again, basically what I've done is I've just given exactly the same segment as last week. But um, as our newfound partial listener who was discovered down the back of the couch, 
um, has said he's he's missed a whole year of the show, so um, he wouldn't have listened to last week yet. So just in case he's listening to a whole year of the show backlog, which is very dedicated, by the way, I do admire you. Um, I'm not sure I could listen to a year of me. Um, you know, he wouldn't have heard last week, so that was just for him. Wow. Well, so we are nothing if not a an individually you know, tailored podcast. And now, speaking of individual tailoring, can we talk about about Signal, the company, and the ads, and how they are just trolling Facebook and Instagram in kind of beautiful ways? Please do, John, because I am oblivious to this, and I have no idea what you're talking about, so oh. go, go ahead with it. Well, okay, so I don't know if you ever use the app Signal. Um, it's, it is a, it is a quite a, an extraordinary app. I really like it. It, it was invented to be a hyper-privacy-focused messaging application. And it, it, with, it's one of these open source things, and there's a foundation behind it. And typically, the only people who used it essentially are journalists or privacy kind of people who really care about their privacy. Um, and and so kind of I naturally started using it because I thought it was fun. But it, the reality of it was is there weren't that many people who were using it. Then all of a sudden, uh, when when WhatsApp owned by Facebook started changing the behavior of their app and making it clear that that they were going to unify the privacy you know standards across all their applications Facebook Instagram WhatsApp and effectively share data then all of a sudden people started saying mm, I don't know about that um, and then the other thing too is 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 that if you st- you know if you have friends that that use Android then you you run into the problem of of sharing rich you know, rich messages because which people do all the time. Like if I share a, a YouTube link or whatever news article link, I want it to be rendered nicely and 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 visible within there. And and if it's video, I want it to play back in line, for example, so on and so forth. And so these are things that 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 message Apple messages and, and other messaging apps have been doing for a long time. But if you've had the experience of having a group chat where you add somebody and then all of a sudden they either go to another country and they've switched SIMs and, and iMessage can't tell whether they actually have it. Or they go to the dark side and switch to an Android phone because they're a fellow developer of yours. All of a sudden, you lose that ability. So for for sometimes, um, I will just basically say, hey, for for people who 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 I want to send rich messages to, and I know they may be traveling a lot or maybe on Android, I use Signal, and so I started using it for that, and I've come to use it quite a bit, and, and I rather like it. And at the point when when they were getting their little spotlight, when privacy really kind of came to people's uh, uh, mind. They started advertising a little bit, and so now they, <laughs> they did this experiment where they basically said they they are booking ads on Facebook, and they they then produced a series of ads where instead of adjusting the body copy based on the values, they actually just put the raw inserted values. So that you know they they basically have these ads where they say they run a couple of samples that were really based on the data they have. You got this ad because you're a K-pop loving chemical engineer. This ad used your location to see you're in Berlin and you have a new baby and you just moved and you're really feeling these pregnancy exercises lately. You got this ad because you're a teacher, but more importantly, you're Leo and single. This ad used your location to see you're in Moscow. You like to support sketch comedy and this ad thinks you do drag. I mean, they have a couple of them and they basically, they, they, they ran an ad campaign where they could vary the ad based on it, based on data that's available on Facebook platforms. And then then all of a sudden Facebook got hip to it and they shut them down. So they made an ad about the ads you'll never see. It was unbelievable. I mean, I think it's it, it's really clever. And, and I have to say, God bless them. 
Um, and obviously, this is on everybody's mind these days with 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 iOS fourteen five. And I guess for some people are now starting to to see it's like you know the apps are are being forced to provide a reason about why they're 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 making this linkage. And I think it, it's it's got to be a, a a sea change. I, I honestly think. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I do think at some point the dirty little secret. I won't really call it dirty little, and, and it, well. It's not widely understood. I have no, I, I have no problem with a company, you know, doing whatever business model makes sense for them to be able to get to the scale they want to. And and I kind of, I, I really actually enjoy using Facebook and Instagram, in the same way that I enjoy using Twitter. Twitter, I like being able to keep in touch with friends or family or colleagues, and and depending on which one and what I'm in the mood for, I will switch between those two applications. And in all cases, I would be very, very, very happy to pay to, to use it without ads. But the value of, that I have to Facebook as as a consumer in 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 the global North or in, in Northern California in particular, they can sell. I'm sure thousands of dollars of ads against me. Um, you know, so w- 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 would I pay that amount of money to to use the service? No, no way, because it, it's it's you know at that point I can't give it to. Them. And the reason part of the reason why Facebook has to charge that amount. Or wants to. It's not just that they they want to. It's that they're basically saying that we, you know, what advertiser is going to pay, you know, any money to be able to reach somebody in the in the global south at where their economies are just developing or middle class is just forming and so on and so forth. It's a future place. So they're basically subsidizing their development in 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 other parts of the world based on being able to you know get as much money as they possibly can from from wealthy people in the in the global north. So it's it's really interesting to see how it plays out. But I, for one, you know, if anybody is listening and cares, give people the opportunity to pay. Like I started paying for for YouTube mostly because I got I, I do watch it, I do get value out of it, and it's just glorious not to have ads. And and then people do similarly for for other services like Spotify or you know whatever. So you know, and if if you're a customer of these things, be a damn customer of it. Don't be the don't be the product, as they say. All right, that's the end of my speech. That's fascinating. I'll have to look the signal stuff up because that is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Because um, it really it will hit their audience massively. You know, to to the people who do they do they want to use their service are going to be really struck by those ads. Yeah, I think on the wider point of view with fourteen five, you know, I don't think most people understand it enough, and I think this is just another dialogue box where for for. An unknown app that comes up and says, you know, say say you're bringing down a, um, you know, an app that I don't know, does your bank does does your um, calculates your shopping or whatever else, and it says we want to track you and whatever else. People may oh why why does the shopping app want to track me? May say no, but I think when it comes to using YouTube or Facebook or Twitter, um, you know. For to people, it, they don't really think about it. They're just going to say okay before um, they, you know, because they want to use Facebook. That's where all their friends are, or Twitter, or um, TikTok, or wherever it might be that the you know trendy people go these days. Um, not Facebook anymore, but there. So I'd be interested to know. Although people like Facebook are making a massive fuss about this, I'm not convinced it's going to hit their bottom line that much. Probably not. I really, I'm, I, I don't think because I think the vast majority of people want to use Facebook, and I guess, I guess the question is, do all people understand that if they say no, they can still use the app? 
I guess if the if it looks like if they say no, they won't get to use the app, they will they will definitely say yes, you can track me. If they if it's clear they can still use the app without tracking, then maybe that's different. Actually, I hadn't thought of that before because often when you say to something like, yeah, um, this app would like to use your camera, if you say no at that point, the app is useless. So so um, uh, why bother having the app anymore? But uh, having uh, Facebook not track you is the app going to become useless? Does the app still work? If that's the case, then yeah. You know, or I mean, guess Facebook could make it that you that you can't use the app unless you're being tracked. In which case, people then have to say yes, um, and that's a danger, I guess. Uh, but if the app still works, then maybe actually it will affect the bottom line, and maybe it is a bigger. I'm just thinking this stuff out loud, as you can see. I'm not very not thought through this very much, but interesting. But well, I do like what Signal has done. That sounds great. Yeah. Well, I mean, just to to, to kind of tie things up. I started noticing the the splash screens or the pre-ask screens. This I found very interesting. So once Instagram knows that you're running on 14.5 and up, as soon as it launches, it puts up a panel saying, like, you know, you're going to be asked to allow us to have targeted ads. These targeted ads are what support mom-and-pop businesses in your neighborhood and allow us to keep the app free. And it basically says that. And And then when you dismiss it, then the, at some point, you know, afterwards comes up the the Apple enforced one, um, and so they basically are trying to suggest that that either if you keep if it's like, it's kind of like if you little pesky kids don't allow us to have ads, we're going to start charging you money, and it's it's you know, so it, it's fascinating, um, and I think it is obviously pretty clear to most people, at least I hope it is, is that the app keeps working, and because even in the case of let's say a camera, I mean like you know if it, if it is a replacement for the the actual built-in camera application i think most people could reasonably expect like the app might launch you know but it will say you're trying to take a picture but you can't because you've changed your permission settings tap here and it will open up the the settings application for this app and allow you to change that and make it work and then you have to when your app comes back to the foreground it needs to ask again can it do it and goes about so dealing with permissions is it's not impossible it's tricky but you know there's a whole kind of ux flow um, pattern that, that has come up around this thing where apps kind of have to do the pre-ask so that they can have some control about what things look like because Apple's permissions panels are always a standard UI alert, you know, panel with, with not a whole, with essentially no styling possible. Um, and I think that they do that purposefully to make it very clear. This is a system thing that's asking you on. It's very utilitarian. We're not going to kind of put any images or, or kind of uh, cheat text or cheat typography of, of putting things in tiny sizes down at the bottom, you know, that type of stuff. It's just going to be all consistent. So we live in interesting times, Scotty. We do. We do. I wonder how many app store rejections we're going to see because of inappropriate pop-up screens before the the Apple pop-ups. That's a good question. I I, I wonder if yeah. You know, well, I think that they probably they probably do because I think at some point you know Apple has has rejected apps because, for instance, that they'll say it's like you can't buy you know you can't use this app because you can't do an in-app purchase or you know if you don't like it go talk to somebody else and so they're pretty sensitive to this stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised, but. Um, Scotty. Well, the epic uh, the epic Apple case has started now, so yes. maybe in a few weeks' time things will be different, but time will tell. Yeah. Yes, John, you were about to try and wrap us up, I think, and I interrupted. I was. That's okay. You know, um, I think that it's very funny that they call it the Apple versus Epic because it's the epic, epic versus Apple or the epic Apple versus Epic suit. But anyway, um, if you want to be more epic, 
might I suggest that you get in touch with the director of Epicness, who is none other than our, our, our best friend, Scotty, who can be reached somewhere on the internet, but Scotty needs to tell us. Scotty, where? Well, first of all, you have to agree to let me track you um, <laughs> using AirTags. But if you want me to track you with AirTags so that you don't end up being down the back of our couch, uh, then you can um, let me know that on Twitter, where I am, Mac Devnet. And John? If people want to uh, say, John, John, tell us more about typography, please, please, John, you've not said enough yet. Uh, where should they do that? Well, they could do that or they could say, John, John, for the love of Pete, please be quiet. Um, in the place where the entire range of civil discourse takes place, Twitter, where you'll find me as Jembe. That's G-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. Well, John, it's been a pleasure as always. And I may have been lying at the start that I was dandy dandy, but now I... After speaking to you, I definitely am dandy dandy and maybe even dandy dandy dandy. Wow. <laughs> You're lost for words. Yeah, so I think what you were trying to say, well, thanks so much for listening and until next time. You take care. Very good, Scotty. Yes, well, that's what happens when I'm dandy dandy dandy. <laughs> Thank you.